Amen, Woodlands Church. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is enough. Amen. We believe that God is real and he wants to do a miracle working power in your life this morning. And I just want to wish you guys a happy Father's Day. And if today is not happy, if today is a day where you're missing your dad or you're missing your child, maybe you felt like you missed out on having a dad or you felt like you're missing out on getting to be a dad, whatever is going on in your life, my hope is that today is a healing day for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share from your word this morning. I ask that you would speak to us, that you would bring hope to those who need it. Lord, I just wanna thank you for my church family and what a blessing they are to me. And in your mighty name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, I wanna talk to you about what I believe is one of the biggest obstacles keeping us from experiencing God's blessings in our lives. You know, it's something that can cast a shadow over our entire lives and over every relationship. I call it the father void. You see, many dads today might have the tools they need to build a great business or succeed in their career, but they're lacking the tools they need to really make their child feel loved. And when a father lacks the tools to give unconditional love that their child desperately needs, it leaves a huge void that the world is eager to fill but can never satisfy. Now, a lot of you might be thinking right now, well, that's great, you wanna talk about fatherhood, but I gotta be honest with you, I don't know if I can relate to a pastor's family. <laughs> you know, growing up, people would say, man, what are your parents really like? They just seem so happy all the time. They're so perfect. And now it's, wow, you kids are all in ministry. That's amazing. Your parents must have done a perfect job. They must have been great. It must be so different in your family. Do you think that when we were little, when we were in the backseat, my dad was taking us to church, that we were just going, Dad, I remember that message from last week. Wow, it's so good. You taught us how to be grateful. You're such a gifted teacher of the word. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but no family is perfect, and neither is your pastor's. When I was 15 or 16, my family went on a cruise with some good family friends, and one of my brother Ryan and I's best friends, John, went with us. Uh, now, I have to admit, out of all of my siblings, I was definitely the most likely to push the boundaries and the least likely to think critically before making decisions. And so when we came to our first stop on this cruise, and right when we stepped off the boat, there was a vendor selling Cuban cigars, no ID necessary. And I was just like, yep, that's all me. I mean, the fact that they were Cuban made it extra appealing because it was twice as illegal, you know? I mean, guys, just be grateful that Adam was in the garden and not me, because if it was me, you wouldn't even be able to blame it on Eve, all right? It would just be like, before God even it finished explaining anything, I'm just like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, my friend John and I both got some Cuban cigars, and one of my dad's friends sees us smoking them on the deck of the ship that afternoon. And he tells my dad about it. And I guess my dad thought, you know what? I'm not going to be legalistic about this. I've been a dad for a while. You know, I've got a great relationship with my kids. I'm just going to talk to Josh about making wise decisions. So he comes to me and he says, hey, Jim saw you and John smoking cigars on the top deck. Is that true? Uh, maybe. 
and he tells me, Josh, it's not that smoking a cigar is horrible or sinful, but you're 15, and as you get older, these seemingly small decisions can have a huge impact on your life. So it's really important that you pray about this and that you seek the Lord's will for your life and do what he tells you to do. And I was like, wow, totally got it. I mean, great, it was a great sermon, you know, it was great. So I prayed about it, I really sought the Lord's will, and at the next stop, John and I bought a pack of Cuban cigars. <laughs> so when my dad sees John and I smoking cigars on the deck the next day himself, he was like, Josh, what are you doing? What did we just talk about? And I was like, no, no, dad, you don't understand. I prayed about it, and I just feel total peace about my decision. And he just goes, okay, you're grounded. <laughs> no family is perfect. My dad says that he and my mom never got into fights on the way to church because they prayed about it and the Lord told them to take separate cars. <laughs> Growing up, I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly with my dad. But now that I'm a dad myself, I'm more aware than ever that kids always do. You know, it doesn't matter how old they are or how good you think you are at hiding it. You know, my oldest daughter is only four years old, and she's already seen me make plenty of mistakes. You know, I would like to think that over four years I've been nothing but a kind, patient, compassionate, consistent father, but the truth is I know I can lose my temper, I can grumble and complain, and I can be totally self-centered. And they pick up on everything. The other day I took my kids to my parents' house. We call them um, Nani and Bupa, I'll, it's another story, we won't get into it. And right as we were leaving, and I, you know, I had buckled them into their car seats and everything, and if you have young children, you know it's like herding cats, it's just, it's impossible. And it takes so much time, and you finally got them in there. My dad comes out, and he gives each of them a giant marshmallow. And I was just like, wow, awesome, we just cleaned them off, thanks Bupa, that's cool, great. So of course, on the way home, my four-year-old Mary Love just goes, I look back and she goes, Daddy, I don't want this anymore. And it's just all over her face, all over the, you know, it's everywhere and she has half of it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just throw it out the window. And she goes, no, that's teasing the earth. <laughs> I was like, what? Teasing the earth? You know, I've never spoken to her about littering and I've certainly never talked to her about teasing the earth. But as I followed her four-year-old train of thought, I realized that she knew that littering was mean to the earth, and she also knows that teasing is mean. So it came out as teasing the earth. I also quickly realized that she must have picked it up from one of her favorite kid shows. You know, being a parent has taught me that it is remarkable how much your kids will soak up. And there are more voices in this world than ever vying for your kids' attention. You see, every one of us has a deep, desire to be known, to be fully known and unconditionally loved by our heavenly father. But when that isn't modeled by our earthly father, it creates all sorts of problems in our lives. You know, people bemoaning the state of our culture, our country, the world will say things like, oh, this generation. Man, can you believe it? Kids these days. When in fact, it's the exact opposite. Kids have always been kids. They just learn everything from their parents. You know, the reality is it's parents these days. And specifically, it's fathers these days. When we don't step into our role as the spiritual leaders of our families, when we abdicate our responsibility as fathers to put our family's needs before our own, it can cause generational pain. But 
when we admit our faults and we look to our heavenly father for acceptance and love, it can bring generational blessings. If you're listening to this and you're a dad, I hope you hear me because I believe that this is the best thing that you can do for yourself and your family. And whether you're a dad or not, I believe God wants you to understand just how much your heavenly father loves you. Because I know it'll change your life. You see, how I relate to my father can affect every other relationship in my life. I've spoken with so many people with a trail of broken relationships, and it all goes back to a desperation to be loved by their earthly father. And I've also talked to a lot of people who are unbelievably successful, but they're driven to succeed because of this huge hole in their heart and soul. They're racing on a treadmill of success, trying to prove their worth to an earthly father who never recognized their value. They're on this treadmill of success and it's totally unfulfilling. And it all goes back to this father void. And because how I relate to my father affects all of my relationships, a child's first concept of what God is like comes from their parents, especially their dads. That's why we have so many wrong conceptions about who God is today. If you had an unpleasable earthly father, then you're going to tend to think that you can never please God. And if you ever think that God is looking at you, you think of him, he's, he's, he's frowning at you. He's looking at you saying, oh, gosh. Man, I love you, but I sure don't have your act together. You're so frustrating, but I guess I have to love you because you're mine. I mean, if you had a dad who was not able to tell you that he loved you through his words and his affection, then you'll tend to think that God is a God who can't love you unconditionally. And you'll really struggle with unconditional love when the fact is that God loves you perfectly. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. Now, when we sin, it hurts God. It's devastating to him because he knows how much it hurts us. It's devastating to us. He sees the damage it does in our lives and in our relationships. It hurts him, but it doesn't make him love you any less. And when you do great things for God, he doesn't love you anymore. He can't love you anymore because he already loves you perfectly. He can't love you anymore. He loves you perfectly, unconditionally, completely. And that's so hard for us to grasp. If you had a dad who was aloof and distant, then you'll tend to think that God is busy doing important things like running the universe, but he doesn't really have time for your life. He doesn't really care about the struggles that you're going through or the things that you care about. And if you had a dad who abandoned you, you'll tend to think that God won't come through for you when things get tough. You see, our relationship with our God is really affected by our relationship with our earthly father. Now, fortunately, God has given us this powerful thing called honor that overcomes any father void. So we're going to look in Ephesians chapter six, and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? Here we see the apostle Paul as he refers back to the fifth of the 10 commandments, and he comments on it. And he tells us how we can fill that father void. So would you follow along with me? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it might go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life. Man, <laughs> you can be seated. Paul says the fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that it may go well with you, that you would have a long, fulfilling life. That's a powerful promise. And I know some of you are already thinking, I mean, how do I honor my dad? He left us, I barely knew my father. 
or he never connected with me, or he never really cared about me. So how do I honor him? My dad was unhonorable. Well, the Bible doesn't say honor your father if he was good, or honor your father and mother if they were great parents. It just says honor your father, and it's the only way to fill the father void. The power of honor is the only way you can fill the father void. Otherwise, your relationship with your father will affect every other relationship in your life, and it will do so in a destructive way. You know, the Bible says that the sins of the father are passed on for generations, but you can break the chain with the power of honor. Now, because every dad is imperfect, we're all going to have gaps in our relational toolbox, and those gaps can only be filled with the power of honor. Basically, what I'm saying is, if you're a dad, you're gonna leave your kids with baggage. And many of you, I think all of us are like, well, tell me something I don't know, (laughs) you know? Like, how many of us are like, well, there's some permanent psychological damage there. We'll see. Hopefully that'll play out. We'll just see what happens. But it's okay that your kids have baggage. No one's perfect. And it's okay because God uses it in their lives. Of course, we want to be the best parents we can be with God's power. But more than anything, we want to point them towards their perfect heavenly father. And so when they work through that baggage with God's power and they look to him and not their imperfect earthly father, they learn how to trust him. So whether it's a father void or a father gap, it can only be filled by honor. So how do I honor my father? Well, there are two tools that God gives us. First is the tool of acceptance. Acceptance is honoring. How do I accept my father? Well, acceptance means different things at different stages of your life. You know, if, if you're a child, acceptance means obedience. Children obey your parents. But as an adult, it means forgiveness. You must be honest about your father's mistakes so that you can forgive them of their mistakes. Proverbs 20, 20 says, if you curse your parents, your life will end like a lamp that goes out in the dark. A lot of people live in relational darkness because they harbor bitterness towards their dad. And some of you may be thinking, Josh, you don't know what my dad did. My dad was abusive. And that's all the more reason to forgive them for your own sake. Because when you hold on to that hurt and it turns into bitterness, that poisons your life. When you hold on to that hate, it turns to bitterness and it poisons your life and all your relationships. You choose to forgive for your own sake so that healing can begin and that the father void can be filled by God. You choose to forgive. You say, I don't feel like it, but I choose to forgive God by your power for my own sake. That's when healing begins in your life. And for those of you who had really good parents, don't make them out to be perfect. That's not accepting. That's not honoring. You have to be honest to be honoring. Just admit that they made some mistakes. Just admit they made some mistakes and then those mistakes have affected you. Forgive them for those mistakes and thank God for all the great things that they did in your life in raising you. But without honesty, you can't honor. Forgive their mistakes and honor them. And then there's the second tool and that's the tool of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God's will in your life is to be grateful. You're to be grateful and thankful for your dad. And for those of you who have a father who's living, I encourage you, you gotta thank him today. Thank them for being your dad and being the dad that they were and for being there for you and, and thank them. It brings honor. Thank them for providing for you. And if your dad is not living, then you need to thank God for your dad. 
and you bring honor by the way that you live your life. Now, what if you never knew your dad? You know, you say, Josh, I never even knew my dad. He left, he abandoned us. How, how do I be thankful for that? Well, you thank God and you say, thank you, God, that you used him to bring me into this world and that your purpose is greater than my pain. And I pray that you would somehow use my hurt to help someone else who's going through the same situation. God, that I, I wanna be a healing agent in this world. Your purpose cannot be derailed and I'm so thankful for that. And I trust that your purpose is greater than my pain. The most miraculous healing emotion is gratitude. And if you hold on to bitterness, it becomes poison and it poisons you and your relationships. But the tool of acceptance, the tool of gratitude, they bring honor. Acceptance, forgiveness, and thankfulness. It brings honor and it fills the father void. But what if you're here today and you've never experienced acceptance and unconditional love by your earthly father? Well, I've got an incredible promise for you from God's word. Psalm 2710 says, my father and mother abandoned me, but the Lord will take care of me. God is a special place in his heart for those who have never received a blessing from an earthly father. And God says, I've got you covered. I will hold you. I will never let you go. You are mine. I love you and I accept you unconditionally. You are so valuable in my eyes and I will hold you personally and I will never abandon you. I'll never leave you. God is a special place in his heart for those who have never had the earthly blessing from a father. Your heavenly father is the only one that can ultimately fill the father void in all of our lives. But for those of you who are dads, how do you give this blessing? Dads, you need to understand your power. God has given you so much power to bless for generations or to curse for generations. So much power. It's called the blessing. The blessing in the Old Testament was given by the patriarch. And he would take each child and he would put his hands on them. He would grab them tightly by the ears and hold them and he would speak powerful words of encouragement into their lives. He would picture a special future for them and talk about what God could do through them and they deeply desired this blessing. And I believe that we need to keep doing that today. It's a powerful thing. When we bless our kids, it causes blessings for generations. So how do I give the blessing? I want us to just take some of the things from the Old Testament and break it down. The first thing was meaningful affection. Meaningful affection. And by the way, Jesus did this as well. I hate those portraits of Jesus when he's just this really pale, emaciated guy and he's weak and scrawny and he has these deep penetrating blue eyes that look into your soul. First of all, he didn't have blue eyes. He was Middle Eastern. Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew. And secondly, he wasn't weak. He worked in his father's carpentry shop. He was a carpenter. He was a woodworker. He was a builder. He was strong. Jesus was strong, but he was tender. And he was tender with children, and he blessed children. He always made time for them. He was tough but tender. In fact, in Mark 10, 16, it says, he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. I love that Jesus blessed children because it refutes the biggest lies that I face in my own life. You're a disappointment. You have fallen short of God's plan for your life. You're failing in your job. You're failing as a leader. You're failing as a husband. You're failing as a dad. 
Who do you think you are? You are unqualified to do the things that you're doing. You haven't earned God's blessing. And it just lets me go, that's exactly right. Do you think that those children were qualified to receive a blessing from the Son of God? What did they do to earn that? Did you know that Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry? It began with his baptism and ended with his ascension into heaven three years later. Every miracle, every story about Jesus in the gospel, except for his birth and, for, and when he spoke with scholars in the synagogue as a 12-year-old at Passover, took place over those three years. And scripture tells us that when he came up out of the water after he was baptized, a voice from heaven came down and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Before he had performed a single miracle, before he had preached a single word, before he died and rose again, the whole reason, his purpose, that why he came in the first place, God said, this is my son and I am pleased with him. And if you're a Christ follower, that's exactly what God says to you. I am pleased with you. It's not about what you've done. He didn't earn the blessing. The father gave it freely. And his dads were called to do the same. And Jesus did it just like the Old Testament patriarchs. So if they did it and Jesus did it, I think it's important for us to do this with our kids, to, to bless them. So how do I bless my kids? Meaningful affection is first. But the problem is studies show most children stop getting hugs by the time they reach grade school and in their teenage years. You know, most parents stop hugging their kids when they get into those teenage years. Why? Because they're pretty much unhuggable right? It's like, you know, they haven't showered a lot maybe, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but that's when they need it most. That's when my dad hugged us the most, his teenagers. He would just hug us and hold on to us and we would try to get away and he'd say, nope, I'm hugging you. I gotta say, when I was that 15-year-old buying Cuban cigars, I needed those hugs more than ever. Now, I never expressed that to my dad. I never said, Dad, thank you so much for hugging me, no matter how much it's obvious that I don't want it and how clearly my body language is communicating that this is not where I want to be right now. <laughs> I, I never told him that. I said, thank you for filling the father void in my life. Your kids will never say that. They're going to cringe. But you hug them anyway because they need the blessing. They need to know that their earthly father loves them unconditionally and that your affection for them is not dependent on their response to you. It's not about what comes naturally to you. I, naturally, I have to be, I'm a hugger. In fact, sometimes during flu season, my wife is, she tells me, do you think maybe you can hug people just a little bit less, you know? Like I bring home every single virus and disease to my family. Now, you may not be naturally affectionate, but that's not the point. Your kids need it, so that's why you do it. That meaningful affection comes from God's word. And if you're hearing me right now and maybe you're at the end of your rope with your child, I want you to know that you're not finished. You're not finished being their parent and God's not done. Their story isn't over. You're not through blessing them. Maybe your child has some extra challenges and you're tired. Or maybe you have a teenager that, like me, that likes to push to the boundaries a little bit. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, I just wish I could say that my teenager was only pushing boundaries. But right now you don't even know what boundaries should be there anymore. Or you could say, your teenager is way past pushing boundaries. I'm gonna tell you, don't 
count the grain when you're not done threshing. No matter how old they are, you're not done being their parent. You are not done praying for them, and God is not finished with their story yet. You keep blessing them. You keep praying over them. You keep loving them. You keep showing them affection. I know it looks different. I know it's hard. But I'm telling you, the Lord will give you wisdom on how to do it. Secondly, are powerful words of encouragement. You've got to verbalize your love. In James 3, 4, it says, and a small rudder makes a huge ship that turn, um, makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. It says words are powerful to bless or to curse, to build up or to tear down. You've got to verbalize your love. You've got to speak it. You can break the chain. It's not about what comes naturally to you. It's about God's power, giving you the power to step out and risk awkwardness to do what your child needs, to give them the blessing. And powerful words also means speaking words about their future. Hold them. Say to them, you know what? God's got a great plan for you. I don't know what it is, but he's going to lead you down a great path. He's got a great plan for you. You are so gifted and God's going to use you. I'm so thankful that my dad never said, you really need to go into ministry. And I'm really thankful he said, I really hope you work at Woodlands Church. Never said that. He didn't care about what I was doing. He cared about who I was following. He wanted me to learn how to trust God with my life. He called me out when I needed it. He disciplined me because he loved me. He never said life would be easy, but he did say God has a great plan for your life. He can't love you any more, any less. I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you. That taught me to see my, myself the way God sees me. And it allowed me to envision a future for myself full of God's promises. I've, I've been praying for you. And I know God is going to do something great in your life. Those are powerful words of encouragement. But the third thing is spiritual leadership, and this is the most important. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. He's saying, don't be an unpleasable dad. Don't exasperate your children. Some dads say, well, I don't want my child to get a big head. You know, I, I don't want them to get proud, so I'm not gonna brag on them. I, I don't want them to get the participation trophy. You know, no, the world is going to beat them down. So you gotta keep them from, it's gonna keep them from getting proud. You've gotta build them up. You need to encourage them. Don't be an unpleasable parent. Be a man of God. The greatest compliment you could ever get is that you're a man of God. If that comes from your kids, that's the greatest compliment of all. My dad is a man of God. Now you might be thinking, what does it mean to be a spiritual leader? I, I, I'm not that great at the spiritual stuff. That's just not who I am. How do I know if I'm doing any good at this? You know, my wife is, she's the one who really is, wants us to go to church and stuff. And I, it's great, I love it, music's great, this is great. And, but I don't know, that's, I, I feel uncomfortable. I'm not confident in this. I just wanna ask you, are you content with just telling your family things that you've heard about God? Or do you want them to experience his wonder-working power firsthand? Do you want them to experience bland living or do you want them to taste and see that the Lord is good? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And in Galatians 5.22, it says that the fruits of the spirit 
are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, to me, those sound like the qualities of a great dad. You know, I'm so proud of so many men here at Woodlands Church who are stepping up like never before. I've seen so many men step up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm not great at this spiritual stuff and a lot of this stuff doesn't come naturally to me, but I wanna be a man of God. I'm going to grow in God's word. I want to abide in Christ. I want to be the loving, faithful, joyful, self-disciplined man that my family needs and deserves. I want to make sure that we're in church and that church is a priority. I'm going to make sure that we put God first in our finances. We're going to tithe. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. I'm going to make sure that my kids see me praying and studying God's word. And I'm going to grow in the Lord. I am passionate about Jesus. I'm stepping up and I want to be a man of God. I love seeing that. That's why I'm so thankful for our kids' ministry here at Woodlands Church. This Easter, I started talking to Mary Love about the resurrection. I was like, oh, wow, she's four. I need to start, you know, I want her to understand what this is, and I want her to get it. And I start telling her the story, the Easter story, and she starts filling in all these details about the empty tomb and the angel telling the women that he is not here, he is risen. And I was amazed. She was learning all this stuff in church, at kids' church. Now, I gotta say, there was a few inaccuracies in her retelling. Um, she starts off saying, well, Jesus died on Fun Friday. <laughs> but he rose again on Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll talk to the kids' pastors about that. I like to think that's their fault. <laughs> we'll iron it out. But I'm so grateful for that because, man, that girl loves church. And guys, we're, you know, I'm a pastor. We're at church a lot, and she loves church. I'm so thankful that Woodlands Church is a church where families want to be, where kids want to be, and they're learning God's word. Bruce Wilkinson did a study on hundreds of families, and he found that kids who grew up in non-Christian families had a greater chance of becoming believers in adulthood than Christian parents, than Christian families with parents that didn't make their faith a priority. So if you're a family who goes to church occasionally, or if you pray at the dinner table but not for your children, if you can trust God with your salvation but not your finances, then statistically your kids would have a better chance of following Christ and standing on the truth of God's word if you were an atheist. That is sobering. But with God's power, you can begin a new chain of generational blessings. Virgil Meese was a barber in the small town of England, Arkansas. And on October 20th, 1935, his wife gave birth to their only child, a son. Now, unfortunately, Virgil had a lifelong struggle with depression. And when his son was only 13 years old, he took his own life, leaving him to provide for himself and his mother. While working odd jobs to take care of his family, the young man felt a calling into ministry. As a shy and introverted teenager, he preached his first sermon at 16. And after graduating from Little Rock Central High School at 18, he became a pastor of Knowles Memorial Baptist Church. And that's where he fell in love with the woman he would eventually marry. No matter how busy he was with his ministry, he made time for his wife and eventually their four kids. When one of his kids had a ball game or a recital, he would write it in his planner. And when a ministry conflict would arise, he would always say, I'm sorry, I already have another appointment. His family was his number one ministry. Because of what he had been through, though, he struggled with being affectionate with his children. It did not come naturally to him. 
but he decided to start a new chain of blessing in his family. He and his wife raised their kids in God's word. He would often quote scripture saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And if he told his family something and he told them he would do something, they knew he would do it. He served in churches in Arkansas and Oklahoma before coming to Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, which he would pastor for 27 years. And in that time, Champion Forest became one of the largest and fastest growing churches in America. And thousands of people heard the gospel for the first time. One of them was a teenage girl whose friend had invited her to church after a sleepover. No one in her family went to church or believed in God. But when she heard about Jesus that morning, she was never the same. You know, much to the chagrin of her dad, she started getting really involved in the youth group and dating that pastor's son. Now that son had seen up close how his dad lived out what he preached. He saw him rely on the Lord and trust him day in and day out. In his imperfections, he pointed his kids towards their perfect heavenly father. So when that pastor's son felt the Lord calling him and his young family to start a church in a small suburb of Houston called the Woodlands, they obeyed. My grandfather, Damon Shook, chose to break generational pain. He could have decided to start a chain of generational pain, but he said, no, I'm gonna start a chain of generational blessing. And if he hadn't, Woodlands Church wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be sitting here. Isn't that amazing? The power that God gives us as fathers. It's amazing. Now, you might be here thinking, well, look, I've already messed up as a dad. I don't know if I can break this chain or start a new one. I never, or maybe I never even committed my life to Christ and I don't know how to start. I don't know where to start. I want you to know that it's never too late for God's power. It is never too late for God's power. 158 years ago this Monday, Union Major General Gordon Granger issued General Order Number 3 from his newly occupied headquarters in Galveston Island, just 80 miles away from here. And it stated, the people of Texas are informed in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Now, Robert E. Lee had surrendered in April. So the war had effectively been over for two months, but for the estimated 250,000 slaves in Texas, which was over 30% of the population, that wasn't worth celebrating because nothing changed. Later that year on December 18th, the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution was passed, forever abolishing slavery in the United States. But those former slaves in Texas continued to celebrate Juneteenth every year because that's when the promise of freedom was theirs. They had heard of the Emancipation Proclamation, but it didn't mean anything. Texas was under Confederate control. Now, two years later, they were hearing it proclaimed in force, and it was for them, and they celebrated. Can you imagine that kind of celebration? To see that kind of joy? Today can be your day of celebration. Did you know that when someone accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior, there's a party in heaven? Scripture tells us that the angels rejoice and celebrate when someone doesn't just hear of the good news, but when they hear it for themselves. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, but you haven't claimed his free gift of forgiveness for yourself. He has already paid the price for your sins. Now you're just hearing it for the first time. The war is won. The day is won. The battle is over. Now you're just hearing about it. Are you gonna celebrate? Are you gonna accept it? Are you hearing it for you? Well, if you wanna do that right now, then all you have to do 
is pray. And would you bow your heads with me? And all you need to pray is, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose again. And that one day I will spend eternity with you. Lord, I invite you into my life. Change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life and give me the power to be who you've called me to be. And Lord, I just pray for every dad in here right now that you would just help us give the blessing to our children. That you would, we would be able by your power, Lord Jesus, to start a new chain of generational blessing that's gonna change the world. You've given us as dads so much power and so much responsibility, Lord. And we're humbled by it and we wanna use it for your glory, to lift up your name. And I see so many dads here who have already stepped out and they're starting a new chain of generational blessing. Lord, I thank you for that. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen, Lord. Thank you, God, for being our perfect heavenly father. And in your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, Woodlands Church, I want us to stand and worship. I want us to end this service the way we started it. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehirah is a name of God in the Old Testament, and it just means our provider. It means that when we feel inadequate, and as dads, when we feel inadequate as parents, we feel inadequate, he says that I'm enough, I am sufficient for you. He even tells us my grace is sufficient for you. So that when we lift up and praise his name, like God, I need your provision. I need your miraculous provision in my life to do what only you can do. I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm so thankful that you're my perfect heavenly father. And so Lord, I look to you. I wanna start a chain of generational blessing in my family that's gonna go to their children and their children and their children for generations. We're gonna see lives changed here at Woodlands Church. We're gonna see dad stepping up like never before. And we're gonna see the Holy Spirit move like never before. So let's lift up his name. Let's praise Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Come on. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.